morning and welcome to your daily game face. I am your host, Dr. Kim Lannon. That's right. And Lou Blasey's with me, being Blasey. Oh, come on. I'm not doing anything. Except <laughs> no, what you I'm are. supposed you do, to be you, doing. You're good. You, you said my nails popped today. That's right. You liked my nail color today. Mm-hmm. Oh, I look like I'm very out of frame today, by the way. Just uh, saying. Yeah, you may be. We get, we you get talking. Maybe. We get talking, and you were here oh, two minutes before the show hair. started. It's like 80s hair. I'm popping out of the screen. It's Hopefully the show, this seat will sink during the show, and you'll be, and it'll be perfect. The seat will sink. Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> it's not like it hasn't happened. I know. The no, day I that I was like under the table almost and it was up to my chin because it was sinking and that chair was terrible. So good morning. I know. And then I checked and the first shot was fine. It was by the end of the show. So I, had been, I had been gradually sinking show. to the floor. Yeah. Um, anyway, so good morning, you guys. It's a beautiful day here in Massachusetts. And nobody cares about that on our podcast, which if you're watching on Facebook, there are audio podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, yes. and many other outlets. Right, so if you're listening, you can't see me become smaller in the, the chair <laughs> and go to the floor, yeah. <laughs> which is always my complaint. Am I too high? Am I too low? Mm-hmm. So, I was distracted by your nails and, so, and discussing for, your lipstick. And... For, for those of you who <laughs> can't see me today, my nails are, it's called Gossip Girl Pink, if one must know. Wow. And, they are, and, and Lou likes them because they're very bright. And I said I didn't. I forgot to put lipstick on today. <laughs> what goes into standing there at the uh, ten feet of nail polish colors that are that are in a CVS or something, and choosing a particular color? Did you just women say, like choices, don't they? Did you just say that you stand in front of the nail polish? Counter? I do not. I'm oh. saying <laughs> no. I'm saying I know that that ten feet of aisle exists, oh, yes. and there are a lot of options. It's because there's every shade of. What is it with women? Every oh here oh this should be interesting. <laughs> huh. The the phrase that starts "What is it with women?" <laughs> should probably not be something that I... <laughs> comes out of your mouth with me, but it did. So let's go there. Go ahead, Lou. In Newburyport, there's a thing. <laughs> Right, people paint their doors purple. Yes, it used to be all purple, but yeah. now it's different colors. They usually paint the. It's probably a thing everywhere now, but they paint their front doors a different color than the house, a standout color. It used to be a lot of purple, so I yes. decided I wanted to paint my door purple. Okay. And I told my girlfriend and her daughter go bring me some samples. You know, go pick out some colors because they yeah. were going for another paint thing, right? Yes. Literally, I counted them. 56 of those swatches came back. See? 56 is, of them. Because you Each of them have about five colors on them. Grape purple, eggplant purple, coke and blue purple, I understand. purple purple, but if lilac purple. Come if you're on bringing now. back 56 of them, you're not making any choices. You're just kind of... Should have come back with one or two swatches, Listen, maybe three. So in defense of women, yeah. we are very good at discerning between all the different shades. Oh, I understand. And actually... There are some different things about female neuroreceptors in the brain. See, you knew I could do this, right? That's, <laughs> That's right. why you do That's it. Why I went here. There's a difference between female neuroreceptors and sometimes men do not have the amount of cones and rods, which are your neuroreceptors that are for color yep. detection in the brain. And sometimes that's why more men are color blind or color. Deficient. Shadowed, yeah, color challenge because too. because the cones, which are your color neuroreceptors, versus your rods, your black and white, um, they're deficited. So we have a tendency as females to have a better ability 
to detect the change in color range. Like if a guy looks at something and says, it's blue, it actually might be like eggplant. <laughs> Whereas a woman can say, that's eggplant. None Just of which is the point, however. The point is, you could have come back with three swatches. Narrow it down to three colors. But that's because, well, there's a difference. I would, I had, you said you wanted to do the gender difference, so that's the difference yep. between a man and a woman. A woman will come back with all of them because she sees it different of all these colors, and a man would be like, here's three purples. I would have looked at less colors of purple if I had gone myself than what came back. And there's the key. You should have gone yourself. <laughs> yeah, Do you well, see the lesson point? Learned, you made yeah. it yourself. That yep. was awesome. Yep. Good therapy for today. <laughs> did you detect the sarcasm? Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. So so that was but fun. But don't you find it's the analysis by paralysis and you know both men and well, women yeah, doing because... it, but don't, don't you have to be judicious about the amount of options you give yourself well, i mean so you can if you have so yeah. you know keeping in the theme of always doing your mental health and your best self right mm -hmm. i mean if you have 56 options for sure you know there's some people that it, i have them come into my office and they'd have the 56 options and then, then they'd say i don't know what to do that's because you've overwhelmed it then we have right. to do the whole whittling down and then organizing and because people get obsessive compulsive about it or they get you know they have the procrastination unmotivated Oh, there's too many choices, so it overwhelms them, so it shuts them down, and paralysis happens. I yep. mean, so certainly, so so, I can always tie every subject back to mental health and <laughs> wellness, and so well, for the record, I did that, but that's certain, story. well, yes, but you gave me the topic, <laughs> and I can pull it back, but yep. it's because there's it, depending on the type of person you are and your personality, and how you see the world, and how you make decisions based on many different things you'll end up either being able to say, oh, see through all those 56 and be like, that's the one, or get paralyzed by all 56, or take a really long time and then not move on it. So, you know, six, one, half dozen, the other, all something in between. Yep. The door's not painted, by the way. Um, so so before we go further, I yeah. just wanted to take a nice little moment to shout out to Staten Island <laughs> for listening on a weekly basis. Bruce. Um, Bruce. Yeah. Thank you for listening, Bruce. My buddy, Bruce. And all my Florida... And my Sweden, and my Australia, and my France. We're in Australia. And I yes. Oh, I want to go to oh. Australia. You don't even know this. You're my no, producer. Come I on now. No. <sighs> I produce it once. It's out there. It's out there. It's on its own. It's like it's like <laughs> well, I raising a kid. I want to know where my people yeah. are hearing me. So Australia, very yeah. nice. So there we go. <laughs> um, so. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good tomorrow for some people. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. And we're a week away from what? Launching? Oh, the Human Baton. The Human Baton is launching on the 21st for the Socially Distanced Athlete Challenge. If you have not registered, and you need to, you can go to thehumanbaton.com. There's a link at the top of the screen that has the Socially Distanced athlete competition that just popped up like magic on my screen in front of me because yes. Lou is amazing. Oh, yeah. And there it is. And you can register for that and you can win. It's free. Mm -hmm. And you can win prizes and cash and swag and all kinds of cool stuff. But I think most importantly, I mean, money's good and all that stuff, but I think it's really cool to compete to get better at being better for yourself yep. and compete against yourself and also join a cool set of people because we are a really cool set of people, <laughs> I think, yep. if I do say so myself. <laughs> and um, it's global and it's exciting and you, you know, you level up as you go and, you know, you get points and you go up the leaderboard and so on and so forth. So if you're interested in doing it, um, even if you're scared, you should still sign up. Sign up as an intermediate level, um, not as the advanced, right? And, and just go for it. I mean, 
everybody can have the opportunity, even if you can only make one rep of something. I can't tell you what those things are yet, but say you have to do, it's all 60 second challenges from week to week. You have to do as many of the thing that we give you yep. in that in that time frame. And, you know, as long as you, you hit all the guidelines for those things, then they count. So say you have to do a push-up and they have to go all the way to your chin. And you, you do 30 of them, but only 10 of them actually hit your chin and you're in the perfect form. So somebody may have done 60 but only gotten five. So, you know, there's no right. there's no reason why you shouldn't get out there and do it. Because, you know, some of us are still working on one of the skills. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm working. It's, you know, I'm a perfectionist as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Even though I know better and I know all the, I know the deal. Yep. So I have some good blooper reel that <laughs> one might never see or might see because I have made myself over the weekend giggle a lot in my lawn yep. about one of my athlete demonstrations and I have to laugh at myself because as a gymnast I would have rocked these but now I'm like oh yeah. man I haven't done these in so long but they're getting better and I've but had this a good is, laugh. This is one of the benefits isn't it that you get that quantifiable gain. Yes. In other words listen maybe you can only do one push-up down mm-hmm. to your chin mm-hmm. but you work on it for two or three days and you're up to five you're up to six to seven that's a win exactly yeah. and that's you know so people are like it's all either you know win or lose or or succeed or fail it's not it's about progression yeah well and, compete against yourself in yeah. other words you had one at the beginning of the week you can do six at the end of the week right. good week exactly that's a win and we don't get quantifiable wins the way we need them you know well and if we do we ignore them yeah because they don't count if they're not because we're on in the next threat right yeah. so that's that's why I backtracked on my perfect comment because the successive nature of progression is is really about I think there's a big part of what the human baton is is about really every second counts yes because that is our motto every second counts but every second counts like each time you're you know you're beating yourself you're beating yeah you're competing against other people but did you get five this week because yep. last week you only did one? Or did you get stronger? Did you lose two pounds? Or did you stop eating a certain way because you want to be able to do an extra five pull-ups? Yep. Or it's all in your own goal and, and setting, and you get to hear other people and you know the benefit of like you know when you join you know CrossFit, similar kind of thing in a lot of ways. That everyone's feeding off each other's energy, but yep. you're really feeding off your own because you want to beat your personal best. That's right. why PRs are so important. People always say to me when I'm running a marathon. Speaking of which is coming, um, you know, oh, my God, what's your time? I don't answer that question. And some people say, oh, because she's embarrassed. No, because my time is my time. I finish. That's all that matters to me. But I have goals in my mind. And when I put them out to other people, the expectation is to have that met. And that's not their place to meet my, my expectation. My expectation is I have multiple layers of goals. I will hit the marks. And if I don't, I have other ones so that I'm always, it's not win. I'm not running. I'm yeah. I'm older. I'm not running to win the Boston Marathon. I'm running to win my next time. And every single time I've run it, I've gotten better in a variety of different ways. And that's amazing for me. Yeah. And and there's a big goal this year for me. I'm I'm training with a couple people. I'm training a couple people. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's what is your what are you checking off as your goal to be hey, I did this or, you know, whatever. So, for instance, if you're running a marathon and you want to um, get a time of under three hours, that's I never have my clients, my athletes, do that goal, even though the elite athletes, that's already there. It's focus on the on the mile by mile. Focus on your form. Fo- there's got to be something that you have as a goal that you know is 
the focus right. each each mile or each five miles or because you if know, you get there and don't do a sub three hour you tend to chalk it up as a loss and that's right. that's ridiculous you run the marathon and you chalk it up as a loss that's right crazy. exactly exactly and it's yeah. and so people say oh well what what does it matter if you finish i'm like well because there's a lot of people who don't what does it matter if you finish <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people who don't finish that marathon let me tell you a few years ago when it was driving rain and sleet and snow and they almost canceled it because it was the worst yeah. weather that boston had ever had in like 43 years I was a, a lone person out there a lot of the time because there were people hypothermic going in the opposite direction because they'd gotten so confused, people dropping off in the medical tents, and I was just like, just give me another mile, get me another mile because it's so bad. For 99.5% of the people in that race, finishing is all that matters. Yes. I don't care what your time is. That's why I laugh. People ask about your time. What do you care? You ran the marathon. Right. Jeez. Well, that's why I don't answer yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, occasionally, for yourself, occasionally within yeah. like a group of people, like the Himbaton people, I would answer because we talk about that yeah. stuff and it's not a judgment thing. But most of the time, it's a question for judgment. Exactly. And so I don't answer it because I'm not going to participate in that toxicity, which is about like that externalizing thing, which is right. part of the topic of today is how people blame the outside and yeah. externalize to the outside of why they can't, haven't, can't, you know, it's genetics fault, it's it's you know so and so's fault yep. it's because this happened no it's there's some things in your control and that's not true so it's the same thing as running the marathon or doing the human baton is anybody can do it so oftentimes i'll put out there hey come join the human baton and i start talking about it. they're like oh i can't i hate that word i can't do it i'm like you haven't even tried can't in my book cross my board of all my clients is can't equals will not try yeah you've already quit Right. What do you mean? There's no quit. There's no can't. You know, I was with someone yesterday in the gym and she kept saying, I can't. I'm like, there's no can't. Yep. There's always do. There's may not, there may not be pretty. You can't <laughs> there, submit a video. There may you, not be yeah. like all the way. This is like watching me do this skill that I'm perfecting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I can do it. It just doesn't look pretty. Right. Which is why I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it's a matter of shifting your perspective and being able to say, hey, I may be crawling rolling <laughs> going backwards to the finish line but i'm going but these quantifiable gains are huge because they give you the skill set to tackle everything else which is why um weight loss is always a big thing mm -hmm. for this which is why physical therapy is always a big thing for this because you start at the beginning you can't do something at the end you can uh, why uh, managing your money is so huge because as that bank account grows and you start to save some money it's a quantifiable win right and you start to equate effort with results right and that's the skill set you need to apply to everything right if yeah. I, plus it it also um it also solidifies delayed gratification which people mm -hmm. have a lot of trouble with in other well, words you can't lose 20 pounds tomorrow but you can do a 500 calorie deficit tomorrow and that's that's a step towards it right and i think that and that's hard to get because people are so about the instant gratification and want the results right now that they bypass that and i watch people struggle with that daily because yeah. this is part of what I do with a lot of people is help them do those kinds of goals and um, you know just uh, the 500 calorie deficit thing just jumped in my head I have an athlete who's gonna join if he already hasn't for the human baton and he and I always talk about the 500 calorie deficit he's jacked I mean he is so 
He's so good at yeah. being in the 500 calorie deficit zone. Um, but he's never hungry. Like he's figured it out that yeah. he's never hungry. He works out all the time. He burns tons of calories. He's happy. He's healthy. Yeah. His whole life has changed around this and he looks great and he feels great. And you learn how to do that without denial. And that's Without the thing. He didn't externalize yeah. and say, well, I can't right. because of this. Like, you know, I can't because, oh, it's my genetics. I'm so I'm so about people that come to me and say, well, you know, it's my genetics. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And and you've heard me say before, have you seen my genetics? You mm -hmm. haven't because you don't. But my genetics would say you shouldn't look like you do, Dr. Yep. Kim, yep. because your genetics do not predict that that would be so. So it's, you know, and I have to work at it, but it's not like I have to struggle at it. I work at it because I know, yeah, my genetics would lead me toward that. But my genetics are also based on the fact that if I have a sedentary lifestyle, if I choose to eat processed foods that aren't normal in life, 50 years ago that wouldn't right. be. Of course, that's, so that's an excuse. I meant denial in terms of his diet because it you can't sustain denial. So in other words, I'm guessing he doesn't oh, think no, I can't can have sustain a... sustain denial. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> oh, they can't. Denying Wait themselves. A denying themselves, not denying. Oh, in, okay. in other words, I'm guessing this guy never says I can't have pizza. He no, says he, I'm, he does not ever... So the, he's saying the, I'm not going to have pizza today. Right. So yeah. he so that's the key to a lot of the work that he does and I do with people is that you don't deny yourself the food. You choose when to have it and when not to have it and right. you base your choices of the day on what you're having. You can have pizza, you can have pasta. Like I yep. you know, I hardly ever eat pasta mostly because it doesn't feel good. But I had pasta a little teeny bit the other night. But I wasn't going, oh, I can't have this because it's going to make me gain weight. I was like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to feel bad. Yeah. And I didn't because I kept it really small and contained. I just had like a few yeah. little pieces of it just because I hadn't and, and everything else around it I ate. But it's it's about making healthier choice but for you yourself. You say I'm going to do 200 calories on the treadmill or I'm going to have this for lunch so I can have a slice of pizza this afternoon because that's what I want to do. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is like if you, if you, um, you know, I was trying to teach this to someone over the past couple of days is if you eat... X amount, you st you know, you have to take how much your your daily allotment is, minus what you've burned, and if you're over, you know, by X amount, like teaching that math, people don't realize that if you're just sitting and you're eating and you're not moving and you're way over the count, you're just going to keep popping up the weight, and it's not because of medication you're taking, it's not because of birth control, it's which is an excuse I've heard in the past couple yeah. weeks with people. Oh, I gained weight because of birth control. No, you didn't. That's not that's not a true thing. Yes, five pounds maybe, but not fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or genetics, or it's my hyperthyroid, which is always weight loss, but hypothyroid. It's that I'm serious. Like seriously, there are certainly things that have medical necessity of right. that certainly keep it more difficult. But that does not mean that it's just oh well, I can't do anything about it, so just free for all. And that's what people do. So are we talking today about external locus of control? Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this is a huge thing because, unfortunately, taking control, taking re taking control over your outcomes requires taking responsibility for your outcomes. Right. And people don't want that. No. They don't want to take responsibility. Mm -mm. They would rather put it on something external. Well, right, because when you externalize, it, it, the responsibility goes off of you also, but it's also... I'm trying to make sure that I say this in the in the healthy way. It's it's a way of also getting people to feel for you. Mm -hmm. Sympathy, not empathy. Right. Because um, 
just gets me aggravated. <laughs> it gets me <laughs> aggravated um, because it, it's a storyline. Remember a couple weeks ago I did the show on story, the storyline, the narrative in your head that you tell yourself? Right. It's a storyline that's false. It's a lie storyline. It's a, it's a fantasy storyline. It's a, it's, it's a storyline that just is not – it's just not fact. And so, therefore, many people live in the fictional world, and that is unhealthy. And then people – you know, I wonder if people really wonder why they're in the position that they're in or if they know, you know, I'm, and often try to figure out when I'm sitting with someone, do they really know that this is really true or do they know that they're telling themselves this or, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Some people buy into their storylines yeah. hook, line and sinker and you can tell there's no real awareness around it. Most people don't have that. Most people know that they're telling themselves a line right. and then... They've just made such a created story and, and resource level around them that other people will do for them or that they will do minimal or that they have the excuse of, well, today, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start okay. tomorrow. No, start today. There's no reason. Oh, well, I just had a cupcake. So just don't have a cupcake later. Yeah. There's, just eat like normal later or go for a walk. <laughs> but well, but I, it's always delay, delay, delay. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I have people that will come to me and say, I'll do it tomorrow. And then a year later, because we'll mark, I'll say a year from now, you're going to tell me the same thing. And we're doing that. Yep. And they're like, oh, you know, and it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force you. I'm just going to remind you that a year ago, you told me you were going to start tomorrow. And now it's a year later. Because that's really common. This isn't yep. like, and it's not about shaming. It's not about, um, and it's, this is with alcohol, drugs, food, shopping, exercise, relationships, this, these careers, yeah, everything yeah. falls. It, you know, people often think, oh, it's just about food. No, nope, it's usually people have this pattern throughout their lives in different areas. You don't, if you're, if you are an addict, you have it across the board in lots of different things, relationships, finances, career, spirituality, sexuality. If you, if you have it in and you're an eater or an under eater and over it's, it's all it just yeah. it's everywhere it's not one little section so it's super important for people to understand themselves that they don't have to make the excuse they don't have to worry about they they can worry but they don't have to worry about something as long as you're going out and starting it up and keeping it going it, you'll start seeing results it could and it doesn't have to be the scale it doesn't have to be um you know uh, like shopping, I have someone that shops. It's like we're not stopping shopping; we're just cutting back five hundred dollars, <laughs> you yeah. know. Or, or it's oh, we're going out and spending X amount of dollars on alcohol now in cigarettes. So let's see if we can bring it down by half, you know. So it's just these little things that make changes, and and people are very all or nothing, all or nothing. Yeah. So, because um, overwhelming to look at, oh, I have to stop. Right. Well, you don't have to stop. You just have to bring it way down. And eventually you might stop. But You just have to bring some awareness to it right. as opposed to just doing it, you know, without thinking about it. I I remember the whole weight loss thing started for me because I used to carry about 40 more pounds. And I remember thinking, well, I'm just that age. I'm carrying more weight. It's I just know the way it yeah. is. Yeah. And then I had back issues and it was like, well, I'm just that age. I've earned my back issues. I used to joke about it. I've earned it. I'm, you know, I'm this age. And then I really hurt my back and had to go in and get work done on it, and I felt great. And I'm going, well, maybe it's not my age. Maybe I don't have to have back issues right. at this age. And so well, maybe I don't have to have this weight either. So mm -hmm. that was exactly changing control from, well, it's my age. It's out of my control to, no, it's not my age. It's me. Right. Yeah. And, th and that's, you know, that's the difference between the 75-year-old bodybuilder and the 45-year-old who's 300 pounds is yeah. that it's not age. 
It's, it's motivation. Yeah. It's mindset. It's awareness. It's what are you doing with your head and your headspace and the story you're telling yourself? Mm -hmm. So you were telling yourself the story is, oh, it's I'm getting older. No. Yeah. No. No. I mean, certainly, and I, and I can make, so there's certain, like, blood pressure medications that certainly increase the likelihood that you'll gain a little weight. But you have to take control of the fact that if you know your medications and... I bring this up because so many people just take things blindly yep. and don't know what the side effects of things are. And then I say, did you know? And they're like, nobody ever told me that. I'm like, well, um, but you take, you take these things and it's like, okay, if you're taking something like diapress or you're taking like blood pressure, right. Or hydroxyzine, you're more likely going to become hungry. You're going to feel like more blah. So you're going to be less motivated. So the only way to counter that is you have to exercise. You have to drink more water. You have to make sure you're eating cleaner. You can't eat pizza but maybe once a month or pasta dish or something. You have to be mindful to adjust to the things that you're putting in your body. And people don't do that. They just keep running like the train right off the track over yeah. and over and over again. And, you know, it's kind of like people who do, we were talking, I was talking to someone yesterday about, you know, what smart recovery is no smart recovery is the addiction program. So instead of doing like AA, which is abstinence, smart recovery is this cognitive behavioral therapy based program on like sort of maintaining the ability to drink in control. I see my head shaking. Really? Yeah. Well, so you you can be abstinent, but it's smart recovery. The basis of it originally, and and it, so there's different little versions of it. But essentially, it's you could drink, but you you learn cognitive behaviorally how to cut it back. You'll see this like on social media a lot now. They they name it something different, like learn how to cut back on drinking so yeah. that you only have it X amount of times a month. And and it's it's a it's like Noom, but for drinking. It's right. The, it's the CBT for know your triggers, know if you want to drink, are you doing it socially, are you doing it to feel good, like it's the same thing. But so smart recovery has that same basis of like just, you know, change your narrative, drink when only it's because it's to just like, oh, Lou, you're having a drink, I'm going to have one with you and then I'm going to stop and, and be able to do that. So my experience in 25 plus years of doing this, 26 years, is that if you have addiction, that doesn't work. No. No, I, I mean, so oh, there's, there's evidence sense, around yeah. that this yeah. program works for, I, I don't even know, I'm going to misquote this, probably maybe 10%. And I think that's really high because I think, because eh, that's not my anecdotal experience because people yeah. struggle enough with just trying to do abstinence. And I've had people say, I'm going to try to just drink a little bit or I'm going to try to do some drugs a little bit. This is always crashing. I just wait. I'm yep. like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> I can't stop. And people always think that, you know, as a doctor, we're supposed to stop people from doing their behavior. I can only give you the path. You take it or you don't. And if you don't, you have to learn that, well, you know, and people say, what's the likelihood that I'm going to, you know, whether it's drinking, weight loss, whatever. I'm like, well, you keep going down that path. And I'm almost going to guarantee you that it's going to lead you right into the ditch. Yep. But let's see. Because I can't get in front of them and say, this is the path I'd go on. Yeah. But this is the one you want. So if you want to try that, so I have a couple of clients currently doing that. They're trying to beat the system. Yeah. And it's not going well, but they're still chugging along trying to beat the system. <laughs> so I've got one person that's like popped up another probably 30 pounds thinking that they're going to lose weight on this great plan. Yeah. And, you know, and they know they're just, they're, you know, people have to come to their own thing. And then I've got a couple of people that are dabbling with alcohol and take two or three weeks off and then start up again with, yeah. oh, I'm just going to have a couple of drinks. And then this is the rock bottom part crashing. of it, isn't yeah. it? Because you have to get to the point where it becomes enough of a priority to you that you want to wrestle control back. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or you want to let go of the control and just say, I can't do this. I can't. There's my, I can't do this because it's got control over me. Yeah. So I've got to do something different. Yeah. So. But still, you're taking control of the situation. And right. That's a matter of priorities. People who are passing off responsibility, that problem isn't enough of a priority for them to take control. Right. In other words, you take your hand off the wheel till there's a tree in front of you. And, <laughs> exactly. and then it becomes important to put your hands back on the wheel. Right. Yeah. You know. Right. And that comes back to the, it's not, it's out of my, it's out of my control. It's, you know, it's, it's genetics. It's somebody yeah. else. It's medication. It's blah, blah, blah. It's who I live with. But it's, even if you buy that concept with a lot of these things, there is still a range of outcomes with the stuff that even if you were to say that it's out of my control, it's genetics. There's still a difference between 250 pounds and 350 pounds uh -huh. within your genetic range uh -huh. you can still regardless of what you're up against you can still maximize your results exactly yeah right and so you don't again you don't just take your hands off the wheel right and and you know you you and i have talked about this many times and we have enough experience in this and all the other shows that you do with addiction and so mm -hmm. on you know it's it's how many people have their hands off the wheels going, Everybody. i i have no control over this yes you do but it's scary so here's the psychology piece of this. To put your hands on the wheel and actually take control for real and to own that you can stop doing X or reduce this or be mindful of that, that's scary for people because yeah. usually, I think pretty much 100% of the time, this is a pattern that you were taught in childhood. And now here you are 45, 50, 60, or, or even 30 or 25, and you're... I don't have control. And yeah. it's because you're doing what you've known. You don't know any different, but you do. Because you've been told you're not good enough all the way along. Mm -hmm. So you're not good and enough that's... to take control and accomplish mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, and this will get me in trouble, probably. Oh, boy. But all the addiction shows that I've done and all the 12-step um, the type programs, they all revolve around a quote-unquote higher power. Yes. And what the higher power is taking responsibility. You are the higher power. You are the higher power, right. Yeah. That's not going to get you in trouble. Well, I mean... Because well, it's going to get a you lot in of trouble. Times it, it will get you yeah. in, in, incarcerated in the jail cell of the Bible-thumping people who yeah. really believe in it being that way. But you can't be and as I hate rigid to, do to that say because that. I hate to do that because those people who take that tact right. and it works for them, great. Right. I have no problem with that. Whatever works. Yeah. But right. it's not a higher power. Well, it's you. It's, so that's it, why you know. when I talk about it with clients or teach about it with my counseling students and I'm teaching to become counselors, is I say a higher power is what anybody deems it to be mm -hmm. it could be the flower it could be the tree it could be the sky it could be a person a thing it, it doesn't matter as long as you're helping people or getting yourself to the point where you're actually getting into the f space where you know that at the end of the day it's your choice your responsibility and so on and so forth to make the next step you know hour by hour minute by minute whatever yeah. the thing is that you're doing whether you want whether you want to exercise whether you want to change your job whether you it's it's just little hour by hour day by day moment by moment things that you have control over and choices in and so to be clear so that I don't get in trouble people I say oh you know these things are not choices like addiction or or the isms yeah, that's, right that's a right that's a so, rail yeah so so they're not on the underside and when i say underside the genetic link correct they're they are not your choice 
But here's the deal, and I'll stand by this 100%. Once you are aware and you have participated in the behavior that has been triggered to have the thought that drives the feeling that makes you want to do that blah, 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 fill in the blank. Once you're into that pattern and you know that you're in it, now it is your choice. Yeah. And now what? it comes to choices because every single day, every if you listen to AA and NA and any of the A's or Smart Recovery even, CBT, or um, you know The Secret, mm-hmm. or all the things that have addressed all these things along the way is everything comes down to a choice that's moment by moment. You take it hour by hour. And what are you doing hour by hour? You're not, you're you know, you're not white knuckling. Yeah. You're saying, I'm making a choice to go for a run, call a friend when I'm struggling, write something, listen to music, read a book, um, you know, you know, drink water. You're doing choices that are countering the choice that you would make otherwise. Yeah. And so when you put it out there like that, there's a lot of resistance sometimes because yeah. people, there's the externalized, right? It's not my choice. It's not my choice. It, it happens to me. Drugs, alcohol, food, they don't happen to you. They're a symptom of the problem. The problem being that there's something internal to you that has happened that's been probably fostered through emotional trauma, neglect, deficit, um, you know, people often will say, I had a great growing up years and my life was good. And then you find out, yeah, their life was good, but they're also like either they were negle- very often neglected or deficited. But people don't think of the over smothering parent, the parent that does everything for you, that yep. you don't have a lot of motivation because you didn't have to do for yourself. Everything was given to you. There's a lot of people in this framework of all these things I'm talking about that had that and they don't think of it as that's trauma. That's actually trauma. That's emotional trauma because right. you didn't get to develop your sense of self um, because people did for you. It's kind of like you see people picking up their little kids all the time and carrying them because it's more convenient instead of having the child walk or uh, tie their yeah. shoes. You never develop the healthy strength to delay gratification. Right. Yeah. Right. Because other people are doing it for you. Right. Why, why do I need to when... Right. Someone's already done it. So by the time you're a full-blown adult, you'll seek out, you know, talk about you get married or find partners that are like what you grew up with. And this is where the perpetuation of the same pattern, because they're like magnets. You find, you know, one one unhealthy person will obviously find another unhealthy person. um, And and that happens a lot. And then a lot of times you'll have one unhealthy person and another and a healthy person. And then there's the struggle. (laughs) In the relationship, right? Because yeah. the it's the who's going to win. Yeah. You know, the healthy over the unhealthy. And, and and the problem is, the problem with that scenario is the healthy person is probably there because they've done work. Mm-hmm. And so they are aware of things. And what happens is it's like you see the sign. You just. Oh, yeah. You just see people who are unhealthy and doing unhealthy things. And it's just like it's just so clear to you because you had to cut your way out of that. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and. And and people stay together in those relationships, and they can often work out because the healthier person is super strong and resilient and helps shape the other one. But usually there's a lot of conflict, especially in the beginning. Um, well, hopefully the help, healthy person in those situations is also letting go more. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, so they, so that's, that's one of the best things that you can learn. In other words, taking control. In other words, the problem is not because of the other person's right. issues. External. It's because of my react. Yeah, exactly. Right. My reaction to them, so they modify their reactions to them and kind of take control of the situation. Right. So by not the, being triggered as much by the unhealthy behavior. The, and that, and there's the de- sort of the 
incomplete but yet very solid definition of codependency. When a person, when two people get together and they're they're unhealthy together and then they're codependent and they feed off each other and, and the unhealthy and blah, 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 versus the healthy person and the unhealthier person and the person who's healthy is not buying into the codependency because they're not enabling or they, they've stopped. They, they know how to pull themselves out of it and right. say, hands off, you do what you need to do because I can't do it. I love you, yeah. but I'm going to love you from over here. They pull out of the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that the, and that happens sometimes, but you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why in in the A programs or in eating programs, you don't want people to keep going back to the same environment with the same people, even if they're married, because they don't stop. You know, yeah. I sent someone home from rehab a couple of weeks ago, and the mother called me and said, "Is it okay if I have a glass of wine in front of my my twenty something year old yeah. kid?" And I'm like, seriously. Yeah. Like you can't give it like a rest for yeah. four seconds, you know, and, and the kid. Why is this even a question? Yeah. But, the, but it's, yeah. it, well, but it's, so you call it stupid. I call it something different. Because <laughs> it, not that it's stupid. It's that people are so invested in their own space and she's not realizing that she's contributing to the problem. And even though I've told her a million times that that's, you know, yeah, you can, but don't do that with him there. Like. He's just coming out of rehab. He's just co- he shouldn't be coming home to you anyway. But that's a whole different yep. story, uh, you know. As a yep. something thirty year old, blah blah blah. But nonetheless, you know, stop the madness. And that's you know, like over the summer, I teach a group and family class of to counselors how to do group and family work. And this is one of the pieces of family work is teaching counselors how to counsel family members about how they're a part of the dynamic of addiction because the externalized thing in families is that families will always identify like oh he's an addict right he's he's got an eating issue right. he's this she's that instead of I'm saying I'm a victim of it as opposed to having control it's over like, it or so having I co- often, contribution I yeah. always often ask it's always um, what part do you play in it? Which usually gets that look of like, I'm going to die because how dare I yep. ask that? And I'm, you know, and I don't, I'm not like mean about it. I'm like, well, what part are you playing? Like, what do you contribute to when, you know, and it's, and it usually comes down to, I keep giving money. I keep allowing them to come back. I don't say no. Yep. And they always have very good reasons why. But the reasons why are enabling in yeah. the cycle, and they don't realize it until you point it out. Some do, but most of the time... And a lot of that is understandable, and a lot of it is just going through the cycle of mm-hmm. having an addictive person in your family. It's not mm-hmm. a fault, but Mm-mm. people don't want... But that's what people think. They think that you're blaming and shaming them for the person being an addict, and it's like, no, it's you're contributing to the pattern not stopping by doing these things. You ask the important question. What is what is my part in this? What right. am I contributing to this? And that's a question that everybody needs to ask. But again, that's taking responsibility yep. for everything. And but the fact of the matter is, you have a part. Right. You have responsibility for every outcome. Right. Less in some, more in others. Right. But it's not, yeah, it's not always fifty-fifty. It's like when people say, "I'm getting divorced, and it's not my fault." Well, no. But probably 10% is somewhere in there that something happened. But, you know, it yeah. doesn't always have to be 50-50. But how many times have you seen a relationship where someone is complaining about someone else and that other person's actions is in part, of course, they have their own things, yeah. but it's in part because of the interrelationship between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, one right. is feeding it in some way or triggering it in some way. Exactly. Yeah. And, again, it's a matter of degrees of outcome. It can get better. If you recognize your part, 
and correct your part, things get better. Right. Well, so, you know, when people say, um, um, I, I can't... I can't make you feel something. You know, someone will say, you make me feel bad. Yeah. And then the typical psychological 101 thing is, well, no one can make you feel bad. Oh, yeah. Now, on surface, it's annoying to hear that, right? Because yep. it's like, no, but I feel bad. So I change that language with people. I say, you do feel bad because Sarah doesn't understand when she says that or does that, it makes you feel bad. But your choice here is that you can own that right? or you can say, it makes me feel bad to hear what you're saying. So it's the language change and it is semantics, but actually it neurologically changes the brain when, you know, we, we, we simplify. It's like, you make me feel bad. Well, I can't make you feel bad. And then it's <laughs> like, the, it's the fight yeah. of like, who's going to be on, on top of that, right? So it's like, well, no, when that happens, when, when you judge me, it makes me feel bad. And, and then I say, well, then what are you going to do about that? And if you're getting judged and you feel judged, you either have to address or you have to change it. So it gets, yes, but it gets back to empathy too. Right. And it's empathy on the, uh, offended side as well. For example, right. um, if the person, if Sarah says something that makes the guy feel bad, the person has to have some empathy and understanding for the way she thinks and speaks right. and understand that it may not mean to her. What, it means what he means to him. To him, right. exactly. And yes, she should be more aware of what it means to him, but you can lessen your reaction to it, you can lessen your triggering to it by understanding that if you had said that, it would have had a totally different meaning than her right. saying it because just right. the language is different. Well, I think of, to this point is that anyone who's engaged in an excess behavior, and so we take all the things there, that's drugs, alcohol, eating, gambling, sex, exercise, whatever it is, right? The thing that's getting you into an issue. You know, when you take the excess size and you say, okay, um, of course I just lost my train of thought because it went 17 points forward. Yep. But when, you, when you're taking that and you're looking at all the um, reasons why someone is doing those things, the person who's in the excess range gets so shamed, that's where I was going, gets so shamed because they're already coming from a place of shame. So if you meet anybody who has an ism, right, mm -hmm. which most people do, right, we all have little bits of them, but when you have it to the extreme where it's become a functional problem, there's always a shame base. I've never met someone who's an active addiction who doesn't have a huge shame base, and when they're in recovery, the thing we're working on is the amount of feeling, you know, the judgment of, I'm ashamed of who I am because yeah. I was taught I wasn't good enough. But there's a blinder onto that because everyone protects mom and dad. Everyone protects whoever. It's a, you, you. It doesn't. They're not to blame. It's about the fact that you feel like you're not enough, which is why there's some great books out there that are written for men and women of, um, you know, um, will I ever be good enough? Yeah. Of the book written for women of mothers of daughters of of narcissists and mothers, uh, sons of fathers of narcissists. And the book is Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Specifically written to this reason. Fantastic books. I highly recommend them to go out and get Will I Ever Be Good Enough? But it's about the underpinnings of these things. The eating, the under-eating, the shop. It's all the things that are done in excess to damage us functionally, to make us not our best selves every day because we sit 
And I think this is a cultural thing. I'd be interested, I, I would imagine, and my educated guess here is probably spot on, that we have changed so much in the past 40 years around the socialized structure of shaming and uh, with social media and yeah. global knowledge of seeing and ideal images and all these things that, you know, so many things, that everyone's less than. And not everyone, but we all have our little moments because shame is, you know, our little insecurities that are either personally taught to ourselves or we learn from other people, you know, or we perceive. Um, and they're little narcissistic injuries to our soul or our yep. ego, our reality manager that says, oh, you're inferior, you're not good enough. Um, and so when you have an ism that's in full-blown ism, um, you are in full-blown shame. You are in full-blown active um, narcissism. And narcissism, if you go back many shows, probably last year I talked about narcissism is not just people being obnoxious and rude. It's it's a problem for people because they're that way because their personality has been structured that they're not good enough. So what they do is compensate by being obnoxious and over right. the top and having to make you feel bad to make themselves feel better. So their cup is never full. Their priority but, is a self-image. Right, because their yeah. cup is never full. And the only way to get it even halfway full is to do that to other people but then it doesn't stay, so it has to be, it's like drinking. They drink the relationship pull of other people. You know, their bottle isn't necessarily alcohol, it's yep. driving people away or making them feel bad. Like, oh, you had, oh, you traveled to Australia? I did it twice. You know, it's always yep. something, right? It's just to be like, okay, but nobody cares except for the person in that, and they're not aware that they're just pushing off the other person right. and saying, well, you're actually destroying that relationship, which is what alcohol or drugs or overeating or undereating, you're always pushing people away. Yep. On a small, on a small level, because it happens on a small level, and this is what gets people into trouble. I remember having a conversation with somebody, we, we were talking about, you know, which Van Halen edition did you like? Sammy Hager, David Lee Roth, and David Lee Roth, uh, Sammy Hager came up, and the person said, "Oh no, dumb, stupid, gross." I know Sammy Hager. Do you? I do. The Red Rocker. Yeah. Uh, Cabo oh, I, all the way. Oh, Cabo love, San Lucas, Mexico. Love to hear that story. Tell that off the air. <laughs> I digress. Sorry. But the uh, the response was the response was <laughs> having drop. this conversation, and the response was, "No, Sammy Hager's gross. That's dumb. It's stupid." And it's like I immediately took it as I'm gross and dumb and stupid because I kind of like Sammy Hager. Right, and I kind of like the Sammy Hager because it, it came to me. It was my perspective, and it like it triggered my feelings of insecurity. Because you were an extension of the thing that you like. Right. Exactly. Yes. So and that's, and that's I a, like it, so I must be gross and stupid, and it's right. like and that, that's a trigger. But that's ninety-seven percent on me. Right. Right. And you have to understand that because a lot of because. But you're you're self-aware, and this yeah. is part of the active process of being your best mental health self. Is that the self-awareness jump over to be able to know that piece of information? I'd be out of a job if everyone could do what you just did because. I still most felt people it. Don't right because most people don't know how yeah. to do what you just did, Lou. Is to yeah. be able to say, "That's not me. That's them. That's their choice. I'm good with mine." And that's you know. No, it's more that that's not what she meant. She wasn't right. talking about me. She wasn't. Well, she was talking about Sammy Hagar. You. She just yeah. doesn't like Sammy Hagar yeah. over David Lee Roth. Yeah. But I took it personally. Yes. Yeah, and right. I think I think a lot of people do that, and we this builds up. You have. A couple dozen interactions like this during the course of the day, and you know, of course, you go home and you know yell at the kids, right? <laughs> if you can't, 
if you can't absorb these, well, if you can't understand these, if you can't be aware of this type of thing happening in yourself, if you can't be aware of your part in the conflict. Well, yes. So, well, it's interesting because so I was I was in Florida, as you know, and I was I was at Big Cat mm -hmm. doing Big Cat things. Um, but there was a conversation going. So, with Sammy point, Hagar? No, it was not with Sammy Hagar <laughs> yeah. last weekend. Yeah. Um, so there was a conversation going on. Now, here's, here's where I have gotten to deflect. So I call it deflecting. You just deflect this stuff off of you because I, if I had a thin skin about Big Cat Rescue yep. and everyone's commentaries about, which occasionally I get a little, mm, but, you know, Carol and, yeah. you know, all these things, I would be a puddle because it'd be, oh, my God, you know, so it'd be personal. But I know where my stance is. I know who she is. I know who I am. So anyway, so there was this conversation going on around me mm -hmm. and I could hear the conversation but I've gotten to the point where I know where my stance is and whatever it is so there was a political conversation that started coming up around passing the big cat act and the big cat act is the the act that you can call into your senators and your you know in your congress people in your state um or text I'm going to go to cats to yep. five, two, eight, nine, six. um so in in we have a couple states in the United States right now that the passing of the bill in the Senate has not gone through yet because there's a couple states that happen to be particularly Republican that have not passed it for a variety of reasons. What and is the Big Cat Act? What? What is the Big Cat Act? So the Big Cat Public Safety Act is essentially, in a nutshell, because it's, right, it's, it's the law for nobody to be able to own, buy, buy breed, trade, or sell exotic big cats anymore okay. All right. and so they can't exploit them they can't breed them because it's such a problem so tigers lions i mean i could tell you horrific stories and which is what the tiger king was supposed to be about and then it turned into this very salacious yeah. drama filled netflix woohoo series um but it's really so the, it's, so the big cat public safety act is so that it protects exotic animals from being abused and going into extinction essentially and then also pet protecting the public from like the one you know the one that was in Houston just recently that got out the nine month old tiger <laughs> that they you know come to find out the guy and the woman that owned he was wanted for murder or something and she you know <laughs> you didn't hear all this and no. so so, the, so they had you know so they you know the cat got out almost got shot by an off-duty officer across the street in the neighborhood this poor cat's nine months old and has been kept for pet and was very, thank God, didn't attack anybody. But, you know, the cat's yeah. been sanctuary now, thank God. But this was, you know, in Houston, Texas, and this is one of the reasons to pass it is that happens for people that own these exotic animals, whether it's a lion, a mountain lion, a bobcat, a caracal, all the things that will eat you yep. or hurt you <laughs> or whatever, um, so that people are protected as well. So the Big Cat Public Safety Act is super important to get passed mm -hmm. in these. We pass it in the House in December, January of this year. And then now it has to go through the Senate to become full bill. And, and there's a few states, going back to that point, there's a few states that have not passed it yet because there's an agenda within the state. And it just happens to be Republican states that, that are holding up the bill over and over and over again. This has been an ongoing thing. But I don't even pay attention to that whole conversation stuff yep. going on it because I just know like the agenda is get it passed, doesn't matter, just get it passed, we'll, you know, yep. we'll get passed. But the people that were all talking about it were sort of new to the conversational pieces. So I was able to avoid and not even, I wasn't even hearing it. I knew there was a conversation going yep. on. 
and to the point of deflecting away and not hearing things that don't have to become an extension of your belief system or who you are as a person. Right. I, my ears perked up when all of a sudden I felt this tension. <laughs> there were commentaries of tension because there was some of that, you know, taking it personal and the, the people that I was with had some personal nature of, so it was this yeah. whole thing. It ended up getting worked out because people were able to calmly discuss it, but it was that moment of, huh, I'm so now good at just pushing off that little feeling that you were talking about of like taking on personally, yeah. that this is somehow an attack on me that somehow that this person was talking about in a way that didn't other sit with other people. Right. And now everyone's going to think I'm caught up in that. And it's like, yeah. no, it didn't happen. And you so realize. the person at the end of it said, I hope I didn't upset you. And one of my besties yeah. in the world. And she's like, Oh, no, nope, not even because don't take it on because I know that everyone had good intentions. Everyone had love yeah. in their heart. It's not a big deal. So, but most people, to your point, have struggles with that because it can make someone fall apart. Oh my God, this is terrible. Uh, no one's going to like me. I mean, that, it goes into this, this whole what, thing. This is what drives Facebook, by the yeah, way. Yes. Yeah, because the whole every comment thread you have is because someone got triggered. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't jump into a comment thread unless mm -hmm. you're triggered in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's. Like, you got to work on that a little bit. Yes. And, 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 and by the way, I've fallen victim to that but it's quite common, often. Well, it's I have stretches where I co comment a lot, but right. now I don't. But that's, a, that's one of the common human experiences, I think, on a daily, I mean, for people. I mean, you see it in kids. I see this in kids all the time. Because I will tell you right now, in full self-disclosure here, that I was raised with my mom and my dad, specifically my father, which <laughs> this is so ridiculous, he would say... You are an extension of everything we are. So whatever you do outside this house is an extension and reflection on us. And it's unhealthy. Yeah. Don't do that to your kid. And sorry to mom and dad, not really. But you can't say that to kids and no. think that that's not going to have a huge impact. So I had to fight that a lot. Even my grandmother, who was good for my yummies, would always counter and say, you just have to do the right thing in the world in general and be a good person. And right. so she would hear that and counter it, much to their non-knowledge of this. You're not carrying the family flag. Go out right. and do the right things it's and like live a good life. Well, because it, but yeah. what it, it, so I, you know, not being that, just the truth about, you know, the, something that my parents said, many parents say that. I see that and hear that in my office multiple hundreds really? of times a year of, you're an extension of us, you look, you know, and so you know, I bet you get that implied on the sports side quite a bit, right? Yeah, so th and that's and so there's where it is. It's an Im implication, not always directly said, like mine was said, but it's when I'm able to talk to parents or about it, and coaches do this too. I I often will say that's a control tactic that's going to backfire on you. Yep. it's you're trying to control for behavior by guilting, shaming, and wrapping words around someone to make them feel like if they do something outside of what you'd want them to do or to explore their own boundaries that it's going to come back on them poorly. Um, that's not healthy. Yep. You know, so, you know, not to rat out, you know, my parents, it's just people say these things and not realizing, or maybe they do realize, but not realizing how much of an impact that makes on that whole thing about the deflecting ability of someone to be able to say, this isn't mine just because I, yep. you know, it, this is what drives self-consciousness in, in our culture is that, I worry about what other people think. That doesn't come from just internal. That comes from yep. our 
environment of our families teaching us that you've got to worry about what other people think. You're going to go out of the house looking like that? I mean, this is, it's yep. the same kind of comment as you're an extension of what what we are. So if you do anything out in the world, it reflects on us. So your it's decisions just, are based on external factors more than internal factors, which contributes to our whole discussion. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, so when you have resiliencies, like my grandma would say, like, it's all that matters is you're a good, kind person. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> you know, don't kill anybody yeah. and, you know, don't hurt anybody on purpose and you should be fine. And that was enough for me to hear, like, okay, just bypass this other message because that's not true. But it's that struggle that people have that, you know, don't go out looking like that. Don't say this. Don't do that. Don't. It's, how about just relax? <laughs> because well, what it does is you're carrying on so much burden of other people's worries that, you're, you know, that becomes the extension of that worry you were talking about is like, okay, now is this about me? Yeah. My choices now aren't good enough. Yep. And so it, it's very deep and complicated. It's not just as simple as someone saying, oh, oh, you like him more than you like that or that music over this. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Why do I don't care if you like that. It's not hurting me. You like Sammy Hagar. I like Sammy Hagar. Great. If you don't, why does it, why does it matter at the end of the day? Right. Is that, it doesn't. That's, my, that's my famous tagline in my office is, did anyone die because you liked one over the other? Right. No. And it's funny because you have to have some humor about that to say, why does it matter? Why is someone so invested in whether or not you like the same thing? So this is where I think the human baton is a great example oh, of a way. Transition. Yes. Uh, why job. the human baton is a great example of a way to start to regain control over your outcomes because regaining control of your outcomes starts with the small steps of getting wins. Yes. In other words, listen, and we've talked about it before, you don't go out to try to lose 20 pounds. Right. You go out to, you know, like simple 500-calorie deficit. Right. You know, no matter what it takes. Or to eat or to eat something really healthy today because you don't usually eat healthy. Right. You or don't, just yeah. little steps. I'm not having that Oreo today. I'm going to have the carrot sticks instead. Mm -hmm. Or going to the grocery store and not buying bread. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, and that's yeah. as simple as that. But, or uh, from the other standpoint... Go do some push-ups. You can only do three. Good. Keep at it. Let's see where you are two weeks from now. Exactly. Right? And exactly. then you get those gains and you get those wins and you start to control your outcomes. And that momentum builds much the same way giving up control, that momentum builds as well. Exactly. So quantifiable wins are so important. It's just taking back control, of it, understanding that you have control over something because a lot of people live in I don't control anything. Exactly. I'm just putting out fires. I'm just running around right. putting out fires. I have no control over anything. Right. And that's yeah. and that's a very common experience. Yeah. That's more common than not is that I have no control. I'm responsible to my kids. I'm responsible to my husband. I'm mm -hmm. responsible to the job. But even I, then, it's still I don't have control. Right. Exactly. It's like I'm responsible, but, well, they're doing that. Now, I have no control over that. So, well, yeah. I told them. And you have I told people, her, yeah, and you have I people that are do run that. down because of this, and they're always complaining that they're run down over this. And right. it's like... Okay, take some time for yourself. Self-care. Right. That's control. Right. It's not selfishness. It's taking control of your situation so you feel better, so you can deal with this stuff a little bit Absol Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, 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 and so people would ask, like, well, how do you do that? And by the way, there are situations you don't have control over. Absolutely. That, that's oh, well, that's yeah. the truth. We're not denying that. Okay, so yes, and people would ask, how do you do this, right? The first step is you have to be honest with yourself to be aware that you're doing it. Yep. You have to say, yep, I'm doing this. 
Yeah. Not no, no. It's still because when you're saying after you listen to this today and you and you say, well, I can't control for that. That's that's the problem yeah. right there. You can't. You cannot. I hate saying can't, but it's very difficult to move these things if you're not willing to take full awareness on um, to say, I actually do do that. Yeah. And it doesn't make me a bad person. It's really okay. But even things like you lose a job, for example, there mm -hmm. are still a range of outcomes based on your reaction to it and your part in it mm -hmm. and the control you take over it. Mm -hmm. Again, take your hands off the wheel if you want, Right. but that's not going to help your situation. Right. No matter what happens externally that you don't have control over, you have control over your reaction and you have control over the range of outcomes. So, so that would go to the times when I say it's not, it's if you react, if you take your hands off the wheel and you're reactive, you're going over the cliff. If you take your hands off the wheel and be responsive, your hands automatically come back on the wheel because you're not coming out of yeah. emotion. You're coming, so reaction is out of emotion, yeah. right? Response is out of logic and reason and rational, my three R's, realistic, rational, and reasonable. So your hands won't actually come off the wheel to be out of control if you stay in response mode. Right. I'm responding to my environment. I'm responding to the job demand. I'm responding to someone saying that you like Sammy Hagar over <laughs> David Lee Roth. Yeah. Like, ugh. Right? As soon as you get an emotional reaction, your hands automatically come off the wheel because right. you're like, oh my God, how can you think this? What are you talking about? And then there goes your whole system and right. you go into fight and flight, fight usually. And so instead, it's like, think if I react, it's because I'm now not in a healthy space. When I respond, which sometimes is lack of anything, just nothing, because yep. response sometimes is silence, Yep. is that I'm just coming from like, who cares? So, and that doesn't mean who cares, like I'm flipping aloof and don't care what happens. It's more like, does it really matter at the end of the day about this? I've got X amount of mental energy. Am I giving this right. any? Like yeah. somebody said that, you know, you blah, blah, blah. Okay, right? Did I hurt anybody? No. no. Why is that annoying to you? Who yep. cares? Right? So Michael like, Singer described it in a, a talk that he talked about. He goes, you know, you're going down the highway, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of brake lights in front of you. He yep. goes, 99% of the people jump in the back seat. Right. It's like, it doesn't do you any good. Right. You know, stay right. in the front seat, stay with your hands on the wheel, deal with it. Well, because it's the only place where you have control. Right. Right. Yeah. Very like, good metaphor. Yeah, you. We could write good. a book. It was a big one. No, he already wrote a book. <laughs> so, so going back to what we were saying, though, and you were just saying about the human baton, and we got off on food and bread. and yeah. The human baton, though, is, is a place where you can start accumulating little wins. Um, and if you and if you just And you're going to surprise yourself what yeah. you can accomplish. And people think, oh, it's this big thing. It is a big thing. And you can start small, and you could be the sleeper. You could be the, it, but just do it. It, it. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It's like a perfect place where you can go and be, and there's no judgment. The only judgment is, is did that one count? Yeah. <laughs> because, and I'm right there. I mean, I'm an elite level athlete, as you know. I have stuff that doesn't count because I break form or. In my blooper reel, I swear, <laughs> which counts for yep. me, um, you know, but it's fun. You just go and have fun. But this Stop isn't a pu so public forum. You're not going in an arena and, and doing right. these push-ups or whatever the activity is. You're doing it with yourself. Well, you're doing it with yourself, and you are loading it up in a video. Yeah. I have to say that, and so that everyone can see, you know, eventually here. But well, but yeah. it's not it's not going to be this comparative. Nobody's like, going around searching for your video. Right. No right. one's, like, looking for that, right? Yeah. It's just about submitting these things so that the governing body... 
of the people that are all athletes are watching to see and making like, oh, you count this how many and go up on the leaderboard. So you're not being, you're not exposed on national TV currently. It's not like you're, this is just an opportunity for you to go out and have right. fun and see what happens. Reminds me of Peloton kind of. We're sitting there and you're having the leaderboards up and, you know. Yeah, and, and I guess in some ways, so, except so that you don't have the... It's accountability to an extent, which right. helps you focus. Yeah. Right. And so and so that's so to the point that six weeks of this, you have six weeks to do it. You have six challenges, one a week. Um, you load up and you get as much as you can, even if it looks terrible. You still, you know, <laughs> I had a, a good phrase that we weren't going to use, but it was, you know, even if it looks like <laughs> you, yeah. you don't quit. Even if it looks like blah, you don't quit. Yep. Um, but it's just come on, thehumanbaton.com, and sign up, and it starts on the 21st, which is Monday, I think, right? Yes. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. And, yeah, and you can you can come out and have fun. Um, so I was going to say one other thing, and I can't remember what it was. Was it about uh, the human baton? Mm. Oh, I was going to remind people. I know what I was going to do. So... <laughs> So I, and Lou, you can put this up too. I am running the Boston Marathon for the New England Patriots Foundation this October. I'm a team member yet again, and this will be on the course this year in October. Usually we run in April for people that don't know um, that, you know, due to the pandemic, Patriots Day in Massachusetts has gone two years now in a row with no Boston Marathon on the day. Last year I ran it virtually, which I ran it, but then submitted everything virtually. And then um, this year, I will be running on the course. Um, there's only 20,000 runners. I was going to say they're limiting it, right? 5,000 yeah. being allowed on the course this year. Um, there's 70-something thousand running it virtually because it is the 125th running, my seventh in a row. Wow. But it's the 125th. Congratulations. Thank you. What's um, your time? <laughs> what an obnoxious question. You, if you couldn't see me, for all my listeners that just got got the this, the pause, I just looked at Lou like, really? Yeah. My time is of no matter. It's just that I finish, Lou. That's right. Snobby. I agree. Um, but it's 125th running. It's an exciting year because it's the 125th running, so it's very cool. And um, I get to be on the course, and it will. So the 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 upshot of the October date is that unlike April. When well, that's not true. It could snow because <laughs> it's October. Never know. Um, but it's more likely to be hot. So I, we're hoping for like a fifty degree, you know, yeah. breezy northwest wind towards Wait, the city. What day in September is it? Um, uh, Columbus Day, I think. It's October eleventh. Eleventh. Okay, about midway through. Yeah, you could get long. anything. Um. I don't know. You could get 90. You could get Thank 50. You. you never Thank know. You. you never know what you're yes, going to get. Yes, I could get 90. Last year, I'm sure it was like 90 degrees in mm. October. But um, New England Patriots Hell, it's Foundation. June, and you could get 90 or 50. So what do you think you're September's going to be like? You're killing me. <laughs> um, stop! I'm trying to get this in. I'm sorry. New England Patriots Foundation. So I will put up a link later because I am needing to raise $10,000. And it's for a fantastic charity because the New England Patriots Foundation is not the New England Patriots team. No. It's the running team for the New England Patriots. But it's the Myra Craft Foundation originally. And what that is is we are a charity that um, gives back to a number 15 or 20 charities per year they're all new england based that are um that we give to companies that help um homelessness mm -hmm. domestic violence veterans in need um youth sports um animals 
uh, food and homeless shelter banks, um, women's programs, men's programs. But what happens is you can go on to New England Patriots Foundation and you can look up the different charities. You can also nominate a charity, like I have nominated a wonderful charity in, in Tewksbury that's called Into Action Recovery. It's a recovery program for men that's for addiction, that's a home and they are fantastic. And, um, uh, and every year I try to nominate um, a new charity, but we give tens of thousands of millions of dollars away every year to charities by doing the fundraising for the New England Patriots Foundation and giving it out every year. So um, I will have Lou eventually put up my link, but I need to raise $10,000 as fast as possible. I hit that goal a year and a half ago when I did it for them and then we had the break, but I'm doing it again and I would love for you all. It's a match. If you give you know $100, your company will give $100. It's a 501c3 charity. Mm -hmm. um, if you give 1000 that's even better. Um, but every... Every second, dime, penny, everything <laughs> counts towards it. Um, so if you don't have the link yet and you'd like to donate, please reach out to me here and, um, and or Lou, and I will happily um, tell you how to fundraise towards me and my team. Excellent. We'll put the link on the page, and next week we'll have it up on the screen. Yes, we'll put the link up, and then we'll put the giver's gain I think it's called Give and Gain or something like that. But you'll see my story and the whole thing up there. But um, super charity. And as you guys know, I love doing charity work. And I have Big Cat Rescue. And I have the New England Patriots Foundation. And I have a couple other little local ones that I do. But um, absolutely. Please come on out and help. And come out and see me in October on the Boston Marathon course. Because it will be epic this year. So, all right, you guys, have a great week. Happy Father's Day this weekend. Be out there safe if you're boating, driving, drinking, etc. Be careful. Have a wonderful week.